when we're talking about evangelism, what does that actually mean? What does evangelism mean? Well, the word evangelism defined means the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. So you know what that means? That means depending on the situation, evangelism can look very differently. It can look like something I'm doing right now, which is standing on a stage and preaching the gospel, or it can take place on a basketball court, right? It can take place over coffee. It can take place at a family gathering. There is no right place or right time. It is simply demonstrating, sharing the hope that you have because of what Christ did for you. That is what evangelism is. So when we use the word evangelism, that is what we are talking about. Sharing the love of Christ, sharing the hope that you have because of what Jesus has done. Jesus commissioned his followers in Mark 16, 15. He said, go to them. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every creature. He was commissioning all of his followers to do this. And this is where sometimes it gets a little sticky for us, right? Because, well, it brings up a lot of emotions, different emotions in different people. Let me explain. Maybe evangelism is your gifting, Maybe, you know, okay, there are several members of my family, my immediate family, evangelism is their jam. They, it's, it's their caffeine in the morning. From the minute their feet hit the floor, they are thinking of ways that they can insert themselves into conversations, that they can insert conversations about what Jesus has done for them and the hope that they have. They are literally spending all day thinking about who can I talk to, who can I meet, who... And there are other members of my family who will remain nameless. And on my, I mean, our second conversation in the grocery store, I need a nap. You know, because it just feels, sometimes it just feels like I am operating outside of what I'm comfortable with, right? And so evangelism sometimes can feel like an area in our life where we're failing in. And I'm telling you this coming from a pastoral family. Like this is what we do. And if we feel this way at times, I know, I know that it is a struggle. So I really wanted to begin this series on evangelism by talking about the feelings of inadequacy that this subject can conjure up within us at times. Because we need to know how to overcome those thoughts and feelings of feeling inadequate. So that we're not, so that evangelism isn't a stumbling block to us. So that it isn't a thing that we shy away from. And we are not only up against our own human feelings and emotions when it comes to battling inadequacies our insecurities, but we are also up against attack, and a spiritual attack from an enemy who wants to keep us silent. He wants to keep us small. He wants to keep us bound where we're at in our insecurities. He doesn't want us living the fulfilled purpose that God has for our life. Does that make sense? He wants to keep us 
insecure. So there is both a physical and a spiritual aspect to the feelings of inadequacy. And that's what we're gonna take a look at very quickly today. Let's first take a look at the physical aspect, which is our mind. This is what we think about ourselves. Um, being, being a pastor, I do a, a good amount of, of counseling and coaching and encouraging. And one of the things that I've noticed is this undercurrent in, the, in, in everyone that I talk to. There is an undercurrent of, I don't have what it takes. And it always starts to seep out. I, just this core belief that I don't have what it takes. And so many of the inadequacies that we are struggling with today can be traced back to our childhood. And so much of what we believe to be true about ourselves today was set by our mother or our father. And, you know, this, this really isn't about blaming our parents. Listen, I'm a parent. I am past the point of blaming parents. That ship has sailed. So it's not about blaming parents or about taking on a victim mentality or about having a little pity party for myself. No, we simply have to recognize that there's an area in our life that we need continued healing in. And the reason we need to continue to heal in this area is because we don't want to get stuck emotionally here. We don't always want to be triggered by this. We don't always want to be battling this. We don't want to repeat the process. We want to recognize when we are being attacked spiritually, and we want to create a process for moving forward. That's what we're doing. So it's important to identify what our default internal dialogue is. Do you know what I mean when I say our internal dialogue? That is the first thoughts that come to our heads when we're going through a hard time. It's what we believe at our core. And so there's a few things that I, I just wanna take a few minutes, just quickly. I want you to consider with me. Think back about your childhood, about how you felt as a child in your home or whatever your home looked like. Maybe it was multiple homes, but wherever you were, think back. Were you allowed to express yourself as a child? Did you feel heard? Did you feel wanted? Did you feel like people wanted you around, wanted to listen to you, wanted to listen to your stories? Or did you feel brushed aside? Did you feel like you had something to contribute? Did you know that it was okay to make mistakes? It's okay to make mistakes. Did you feel like you would let your parents down if you didn't perform in a certain way? And you can say, good grief, lady, what does this have to do with evangelism? <laughs> this is taking a turn to the dark side. But I will tell you, it's just like what we spoke about last week. Storms bring up old matter. And when we go through hard times, we are going through a difficult season. Let me tell you, stuff you thought was buried a long time ago comes knocking at your door. And so we have to be very aware of what it is that is, is coming up in the form of an inadequacy. And, 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 and our inadequacies 
come up in the form of thoughts like, I don't have what it takes. I actually just don't feel like I have what it takes to get through this. So how can I tell others about Jesus when I struggle with people? How can I invite people over to my house when my house isn't pretty? Or I don't have a house. <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, I, I don't have a house to bring people to. Or I'm too young. I used to feel that way a lot. Who's going to listen to me? I'm, I'm too young. Now I'm on the other side. I'm too old. Who's going to listen to me? <laughs> I'm misunderstood because I make too much money. I'm misunderstood because I don't make enough money. No one will listen to me. My family is so weird, there's no way I'm having anyone in my house. I struggle with my body image. I'm in no place to talk to other people about Jesus. I have social anxiety. I'm not smart enough. Let the pastors do it. They know more than I do. I'm not educated. I'm not qualified. I have a learning disability. Listen, I have found that so often excuses are just dressed up inadequacies because I can take an excuse and I can slap lipstick on it and I can do its hair and in the end it's going to look like it's working out well for me. But the truth is it's just an inadequacy that I'm feeling within myself and it's so much easier to say an excuse rather than to say I'm, I feel inadequate in this area because that sounds ugly, right? That sounds like way not attractive. And so we make excuses, but really it's feelings of inadequacy and we have to recognize, we're gonna be stuck if we don't recognize what it truly is. Um, a few years ago, we were, um, as a church, we were just, the leadership was noticing, you know, we, we aren't really opening up as many small groups as we used to. Um, they're just, we had a few small groups going, but new ones were not being added. Or, um, People just weren't opening up small groups. So, you know, as a leadership, this was concerning because the lifeblood of our church is small groups. You know, that's where we, 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 we learn about spiritual formation and disciplines, and that's where our relationships happen and, and, and where life happens. So small groups are so very important. And so we noticed, hmm, why aren't, why aren't we noticing a, a trend of new groups opening? So um, Pastor Peter went around, he, did, he took a poll, and he's like, I just want to know, what is holding you back from starting a small group? Why haven't you started a small group? And the answer, the primary answer that we got back was, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be a small group leader. I don't feel like I know enough. What if someone asks me a question and I can't answer it? And this wasn't the like anomaly answer. This was the majority of answers that we were getting feedback on. And that is what, how so many people felt at that time. So how do we come against this feeling of inadequacy when it pops up? How do we battle this undercurrent of, I just, I don't have what it takes. I feel like everyone else has it figured out except for me. Well, we have to go to God's word for the truth. And the truth is that God's power comes through us in our weakness. In our weakness. He doesn't wait for us to have a good day or to feel strong or to have a really great devotional time. His power comes through us in our weakness. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made 
perfect in witness, in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. <laughs> Who's, when was the last time you said that? I've said that never. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God is not thrown off course by our weaknesses. How many know that? Like we really need to know that. God is not thrown off course by our weakness. He is just looking for our faith in him and our obedience. That's what he's looking for. If I had to just simplify this as best as I could, he's just looking for our faith and our obedience. He isn't throwing his hands in the air saying, everything's ruined because Bob couldn't answer a basic question about Christianity. It's all done, game over, pack it in. That's not, that's not how God operates. He is a good father to us. He isn't going to leave us when we mess up, when we say the wrong thing. He isn't gonna torment us if we make a mistake. He knows we're not always going to have the right answer. He knows that. The times we are weak, that is when we feel his strength within us. That is when we feel his strength coursing through our body. And we know without a doubt, I, this is not me because I, I am not feeling this today. This is 100% God. So all we have to do is say, God, what do you want from me today? What would you have me do today? How can I be a good son? How can I be a good daughter to you today? That's all we have to ask it really is quite simple. It's only us as humans that try and complicate it. Just ask, what do I have to do to be a good son or a good daughter today? Because God, I wanna make you proud. I wanna make you proud of me. We have this desire within us to make God proud. God, what would you have of me today? The second area that we can feel attacked with feelings of inadequacy is in our spirit. This is why would God use me? Now listen, when we're being attacked in this way, it can devolve into feelings of shame very quickly. Let me explain this. This is where feelings of, you know what? I don't actually come from a traditional family. What do I have to offer? I grew up, my parents were heathens. I'm the first Christian in my family. I don't feel like I have any heritage to pass on to other people. Or maybe you grew up in, in the foster care system. Maybe you grew up with an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. You didn't grow up in what we would consider you know, like a traditional family life how often that somehow the enemy has a good way of converting that to shame in our life. There's nothing to be ashamed of about that, but it's interesting how the enemy tells us that is shame. What about it's difficult to, for me to relate to God as a father because my father left me. He rejected me. So it is really hard for me to, to see God as a good dad who will never leave. How about I waver in my faith 
everyone around me feels like they really got this figured out and I am questioning myself every day. What about I've been divorced? That's a big one. Because shame can start to sink, sink into us. Shame tries to isolate. That is the goal of shame. It tries to isolate us. It tries to silence us. It tries to bind us. It tries to pull us away from God's people. It tries to pull us away from church. It tries to keep us silent. It tries to keep us from proclaiming the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But here's the truth. The truth is, it's not about how sufficient I am. It's about how much I trust God. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficiently qualified in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency and qualifications come from God. Our sufficiency and our... So every time the enemy tries to throw back at me, yeah, but look what you did three days ago. Look at what's going on in your life right now. You say, in Jesus' name, my sufficiency doesn't originate here. It's from God. And every time I start to feel beaten down and tormented, I run back to the Father. I run back to the Father and I let him deal with it. Because I'm not big enough to always deal with the thoughts and the questions. I take it to my dad. He's going to deal with this for me. He's going to deal with these feelings of inadequacy that pop up. Do not allow feelings of shame or inadequacy to keep you from the body of Christ. You belong here. This is where we're meant to be. Listen, I have spent the last 40 plus years in church And in all that time, I have not once met a perfect person. (laughs) You know that? Never once have I met a perfect person. And if you would like a comprehensive list of really imperfect people, have you read your Bible lately? (laughs) It is like the who's who of screw-upville. But you know what? They were used so mightily by God because every time they felt the shame, every time they felt like they screwed up, they came back to God and said, God, I am so sorry. I messed up. I don't know where else to go. I am turning to you and I give it back to you, God. I am so sorry. You want to look at King David? King David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And his son hated him so much that David's son tried to kill him. If you think you're having struggles with your teenager, take heart. You're doing better than King David. His son tried to kill him. Like that is, that's a bad relationship right there. And yet, because of King David's repentant heart, God said, you are a man after my own heart. What? What about the apostle Peter? The man denied Christ after spending the last three years of his life physically walking with him. He denied Christ. You know what Jesus said? He said, Peter, upon you, I'm going to build my church. Wow. The apostle Peter, uh, excuse me, Paul. Paul. 
Do you know who he was before he was the Apostle Paul? He was Saul. And do you know what Saul was up to? He was severely persecuting Christians. He was severely hunting them down, persecuting them because they were followers of Christ. And you know, after his conversion, after he got saved, after Jesus met him and literally blinded him on the road, and he started planting churches, and he started encouraging Christians. He talked a little bit about having a thorn, what he called a thorn in his side. And we know that this thorn, the scripture refers to this thorn as a tormenting spirit. And it doesn't say what this tormenting spirit is. We don't know exactly in what way he was tormented. Some Bible scholars say it was he had an illness, he had an ailment, he had an infirmity. And then other scholars say, no, 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 it was all the persecution that he was constantly going through that he was putting up with. We don't really know what that torment was. But let me, allow me some licensing here <laughs> to suggest that the Christian community at that time was quite small. And if you have just spent the majority of your time persecuting, putting to death Christians, and you are now in this community as a Christian, you're gonna bump into some family members. You're gonna see the results. You're gonna meet the mamas and the daddies and the brothers, and the sisters of these people that you signed their death warrant. That would be a pretty big obstacle to overcome. I don't know how I would have done it. And I think so many people would have been stopped in their tracks and said, God, surely, surely I can't speak on your behalf because of the things that I have done. But the Apostle Paul went on to be one of the greatest biblical figures to be one of our greatest inspirations, to open up churches, to lead people to Christ. He did not allow his past to dictate his future. We have to do the same. If the Apostle Paul could move on from that life, we can move on from anything that we've ever done. As soon as we've repented and we've taken it to God and we say, God, I am sorry. Take my inadequacy. Take where I'm at. I'm going to invite the band up right now because this is where we're at. I believe there's a lot swirling around within us. And even if it's just me, I may be the only one up here, and that is fine. But I think we need to take our inadequacies. We need to take these voices of torment that plague us We've got to take him to our father because our father is the only one who's big enough to deal with it. And that's what he wants. When, when your child is struggling, don't you want them to bring you their burden? Don't you want them to say, mom, dad, this is the thought I keep hearing. Help me take this from me. We want that. We are not burdening God. 
So we, I've asked the band to, to do a song so that we can spend some time in worship taking our inadequacies to God. Because I do not want to stand before God one day and say, God, I just didn't feel like I had what it took to do what you called me to do. And it is very difficult to move any further into this series on evangelism if we are still struggling with these thoughts. So I'm just going to keep talking until the band is ready. Please stand. And if you want to come forward and join me in worshiping and taking these thoughts, these feelings, these inadequacies to God the Father where they belong, please come forward. Worship with us. If you are on the pastoral team and you would like to pray for someone or you would like prayer yourself, that's okay. Come forward. Let us love on you. And let's take this back to the loving hands of our Father.